welcome to what episode are we on? Episode 31 of yes. Eat, Drink, Write, and Urban Fantasy Whiteboard. And today we're going to be talking about creating the perfect log line. So that's yeah. exciting. First, how was your week? Uh, it was a pretty good week. Um, all in all, again, I'm, I'm getting more and more and more back into my research and stuff. So I'm a lot busier. I'm at the lab every day now um, for multiple hours. Um, and, uh, next week I'll be starting back full time completely. So I'll actually be at the building the full eight hours and, and all that. So that'll be, um, a little bit busier, um, it might affect how we do our, uh, podcasting. Um, yeah, we'll mm -hmm. see, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And I wrote about 5,000 words in my work in progress. Awesome. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm really feeling it. I'm. I always get to this place in my head where I'm like, oh, I've, I've got this number of words. What the hell am I going to do for the next 60,000 words kind of thing? Like, I know some seems, um, I know things that need to happen, but I'm like, you know, is it boring? Am I doing enough action, um, enough active plot points and that kind of thing? So I'm, I'm, that's what I'm working on is my work in progress. Do you not have it outlined? Because you're more of a, uh, what is it, plotter than a Panster, what is the difference? Yeah, plotter, yeah. Plotter, yeah. Do you not have it outlined? I have a lot of it outlined. Um, some of it is like, and, and it's probably stuff that's in my head and I'll probably bounce off of you or whatever, but um, you know, I feel like it's it's not active enough. Like I feel like there needs to be more action or maybe I need to add a subplot here or there. Or maybe I need to do more with those subplots or like that kind of thing. You know, um, I often have the work, the other end of that problem like when I was writing my Cada story, which is the one that starts here in Atlanta and goes to a fantasy world. Right. I felt like I was going from action to action to action to action. And I was worried yeah. that that was too much. It was, it was almost like, is there really a story here or is it just pure action? action. Yeah. So. Yeah. We'll have to see. Maybe I'll make you read these, uh, these first 80 pages or so. Okay. I'm more than, more than willing to. Wonderful. Like, oh, Another thing that I've been doing is I just started um, the Umbrella Academy season two. Yeah, we um, haven't started that yet. It's crazy. It's like wild from the beginning. So it's now it's I saw on Twitter that this one person thought that there was a plot hole, but she wouldn't go into detail because she didn't want to spoil it. And so there were people saying, oh, DM me. I, I've watched the whole thing and I didn't see any plot holes. And so I'm curious to see if you catch any kind of plot hole. I just love that series. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I felt, those characters are so broken. They're so wonderful. Oh, yeah, 100%. And it's, and it's even crazier. Just wait until you watch this. It's like just literally the first like two minutes of the show. You're like, what was that? And then it's, it goes from there. And you're like, what, what, do you, what do you mean you just did this? Like, it's, <laughs> it's insane. Just like, just wait. It's, in, it's crazy. But it's really good so far. Yeah, so. you know. Daddy and I will take a break to eat lunch and we usually try to watch a show or something um, while we do that. And we thought about starting the Umbrella Academy and I turned to him and I said, we can't do it because we're not going to want to stop. And I've got work to do this afternoon. So <laughs> yeah, I started it last night at like 11 and then I got an email from my advisor that was like, hey, let's meet at 930 in the morning. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to bed. <laughs> so I had to stop. <laughs> in the middle so I could go sleep and like get ready for bed and all that. But I've been watching it um, since I got home from work today and, and it's really good. Wow, I'm so excited to start it. We're in the middle of Hannah, season two of Hannah. I haven't watched that one. It's excellent. And then what else were we watching? Oh, daddy, you know, he likes those survivalist shows. So we're yeah. watching Alone. 
Oh, okay. Which these people they get stuck out in the wilderness and it's it's not like naked and afraid. They're allowed to bring 10 items, so then they're fully clothed, they're not naked. Right. And whoever lasts the longest wins five hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. Yes. So it is fascinating to watch. That's, so that's insane. We've been watching that. We just started season five of that. Amazing people. I would never be able to do it. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I I couldn't do it. There's no way. Yeah. Even when I was in Alaska, we did mostly like car camping. We didn't do backpacking. We didn't do like, you know, anything crazy. Like it was, we had our car and we camped yeah. out of it. So. These people are having to make their own shelters. Now, a lot of them bring tarps and things like that. So they have a start for it. But this one couple made um, an entire log cabin <laughs> with a fireplace and everything. Well, I guess if you're trying to see how long you can stay out there. <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. That one was on Vancouver Islands and it was the start of winter. So it was cold. Wow. Crazy. So anyway, enough of that. Yeah. Um, my week was, I mean, just normal. I'm working, trying to get ready for the August court date. Um, been making masks because I think I told everybody I opened up my booth at the Mall of Georgia to sell yeah. my Dragoncraft creation stuff. Right. I'm trying to make product to put out there. I made candles. I've got, that's why this room is a disaster right now. I made little tiny candles and mm -hmm. these cute little tins. There's a lid that goes on them. That's cute. So, yeah, I've been doing that. I made some witch bells. Those are little bells that you can hang by your door. I had someone request me to, to make some purple and black ones, so I did that. So that's been this week. I really haven't had much time to do. In fact, I was late filing my 941 and all my tax stuff that was due on the 31st. Right. So yeah, I've, I've had a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are you eating and drinking? So I made, um, I ordered way too much Chinese food with Sydney yesterday. So I made a, a leftover beef fried rice Yum. Um, and that was delicious. And then I'm drinking a, a tangerine uh, white claw. So okay. My, my typical go-to drink at the moment. Well, so. I have two new things that I'm drinking. I um, found this wine company online called Usual. Yeah. Usual Wines. Just U-S-U-A-L. Usual. And it has zero sugars in it. And so I was like, okay, being on, on keto, this sparked my interest. So I went and did more research on it. And it doesn't have the sulfates and things in it that give you the wine hangovers. A lot of people can't have wine because it makes them feel so bad. Yeah, and it gives you like a headache and all that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm drinking this Brut um, Bubbly. And it comes in these adorable little containers. It looks like a flask. Like it, that, should, that should be in my lab. <laughs> it's beautiful. I might make candles out of these when I'm done. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. And then I'm eating... Um, artichoke hearts they're quartered artichoke hearts and I crushed up pork rinds and garlic and um chili powder and salt and pepper and put them in there my wow. mouth is watering <laughs> you, have, you have them right there you can eat them <laughs> I've been baked I baked them in the oven and they're fantastic so I did pour myself a little bit of my wine with a little cherry even though I can't eat the cherry because it's not keto it makes it look pretty so right I, I'm way behind on posting the pictures of our foods and stuff. So I'll, I'll have to, I'll try to do that. Yeah. I have a joke. 
Oh, of course you do. Let's let's hear it. And I couldn't find one on our topic, so it's just oh, I got my hair done this week too. That it looks something. great. I meant to say yeah. yes, it looks it looks awesome. Yeah, finally, it's nice and flat. I think the last time I did outside um, video, <laughs> it was like by the time we got done. So yeah, I got my hair done, so I'm I'm loving it. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, now I got hair in my face. Blah, 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 blah. Hair in my mouth. Okay. okay. This is just a writer joke i couldn't find anything on log lines in particular okay a screenwriter comes home to a burned down house his sobbing and slightly singed wife is standing outside what happened honey the man asks oh john it was terrible she weeps i was cooking and the phone rang it was your agent because i was on the phone i didn't notice that the stove was on fire it went up in a second everything is gone i nearly didn't make it out of the house poor fluffy is Wait, wait, wait. Back up a minute, the man says. My agent call? <laughs> Priorities. I know, right? I thought that was that was pretty good. That's pretty great, yeah. So what is a log line? Yeah. A log line is one or very occasionally two sentences that boils down your novel into its essential dramatic narrative and as succinct a matter a manner as possible it's written for industry professionals it's, it's going to be what your what your uh, potential agent sees it's that kind of thing right yeah you include it on your um your query letter or at least that's you know the formula that i typically see is like it's included in your query letter yeah usually it starts off your your it's almost I would say almost like the hook, except for you're really going through more details than just the hook. Right. Um, one minute. <laughs> She's got a drink. <laughs> Priorities. Um, so it's written for the industry professionals to show them that you can create a valuable and viable story. Right. So that one sentence is super important. It, it's, it lets a publisher or an editor know this person has the ability to um, do a complete story and boil right. it down and make me want to read it. Right, and make it like a hook, make it, you know, want, yeah, like you said, like makes you want to read it based on one sentence. But it's different than a tagline, which right. is copy design, it's copy editing, not editing, copy that is meant to, you know, like those movie posters, you know, think of aliens, um no one can hear you scream in the dark I don't, or in space or in space no one can hear you scream i don't know what movie that goes to some yeah. horror movie in space right. um that is a tagline that doesn't tell you the story that does it's a it's a it's a hook to get people you know and then they look at the at the movie poster to get an idea of what they want to whether they want to watch it or not right right so it's not a tagline which a lot of people hear and then it's not really the same thing as an elevator pitch. People hear you hear about elevator pitches where you've got to boil it down so that if you're stuck in the elevator, more, more likely if the agent is stuck with you in the elevator, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, you can uh, blurt out this this log line. It, it's it's more than that log line though. Um, the log line is a great way to start the elevator pitch, but right. there is more to that pitch. You've got to do more than just that one sentence. But it's, right. Go ahead. Yeah, I was I was thinking about this too because you know log lines are, are very much just a hook to kind of get someone in, and then you you pitch, um, mm -hmm. you pitch your work. But I was thinking about the uh, 
the, the Twitter pitch events that we do, um, where it's, it's literally just like, you know, one or two sentences that you use to hook an agent who's like perusing those tweets. Um, and that quote unquote counts as a pitch, but it's really, it feels a lot like a log line to me. I think so. it is more like a log line than an actual pitch because you only have those 280 or whatever it is characters to work with. And of those, you still have to put your hashtag, you know, the, whatever you're pitching, right. like we just did the SFF science fiction fantasy pitch, which was SFF pit, and then we're urban fantasy, so hashtag UF, that kind of thing. So I think you're right. I would agree with you that that is a pitch in and of itself, but it's different than a normal elevator pitch. Right, yeah. So how do you do a log line? What are the parts of a log line? You think of the questions that you always ask when you learn how to write back in elementary school, the who, what, why, whatever those questions are. (laughs) Wow. Not even, I've had this much champagne, okay? Apparently it's enough. That would be the who, what, when, why, and where. (laughs) Okay. So I have written, I have written it down so that I can, I can get myself through this. So the who is the protagonist, the what is the protagonist's problem, the where is the setting, which you had something on setting. I did. I just wanted to point out, you know, setting can, you know, it's not limited to just one thing. It's not limited to just the city it's placed in. Um, You can also do like the time period because that might be really important to your plot Mm -hmm. or the season, you know, like just whatever's most important to the story is what you can use as your setting. It doesn't have to be like, oh, this is set in Savannah, Georgia, and, or, oh, this was in winter, you know, it can be anything that is, um, I think, the most important aspect of setting to your story. Especially in things like fantasy, whether it's urban fantasy or otherworldly fantasy or science fiction, that setting is going to be key. You're going to want that in that logline because it is going to be key to, you know, this is not just a modern day you know, novel or right. a historical right. romance or, you know, and for a historical romance, it's important that you put the time frame of when that is. Is it the 1500s? Is it the Viking era? Is it, you know, what, when is it? So right. you're right. That is important. So we have the who, the what, the where, which was the setting. And then we go to how, which is the conflict, the antagonistic force that is acting against your protagonist and then finally the why is the goal yeah absolutely and i feel like all of that sounds like a lot that you have to fit into one one sentence (laughs) yeah there's a formula okay and i've read in several different places that you shouldn't use your character's name yeah which i thought was interesting because in your twitter post you did use your character's name yeah i think it depends on you know, I used I used her name, I think, because I didn't want to use the fact that she was a restaurant owner. I didn't want to use, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I was looking at some of my old versions, uh, and I did call her a trickster rather than a restaurant owner. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll get to why I decided. <laughs> she just poured a lot of wine. <laughs> did you say it? I wasted it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, and I have a dog in here. Oh, of course. I didn't, you can't drink that. Don't, okay. yeah, don't. <laughs> okay. But That's anyway, 
as we're going through it, I'll kind of like let you know why I chose to use her name rather than um, a descriptor and, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to, to yeah, that. So like all of our information in these podcasts, take it with a grain of salt. There are no black and white rules. Everything is made to be bent and sometimes broken. So um, yeah, definitely. There was a reason why she and her, and her Twitter pitch decided to use her character's name. So, yeah. um, oh, now you can see my dog in the back. Yeah. <laughs> She's walking around back there every so often. <laughs> Girl. Nope. Oh, yep. she's a okay, so there is a formula. So number one, don't use the character name. You want to give information about the character. They're a bartender, a scientist, an athlete. Um, use an adjective to describe the character. So this is the next step. You kind of come up with something like you had said earlier to give depth to your character. A troubled bartender, an alcoholic scientist, a defeated athlete. Yeah. Yeah, because you just want to make sure that you give like as much information about that character as you can with one word or a couple of words and kind of give your the agent that's reading it or whoever you have that's reading it as much information as you can about this character. And that way, you know, instead of using their name, they actually know, oh, this character is a restaurant owner or this character is a defeated athlete or whatever. Um, yeah, so it, just, and it gives that depth right away. And you want to try to pick a really good adjective because if you just say, a young bartender. Okay, well, that does give us some idea, but is that really the best when you've got these few words that you have to, to put together? Is young really the best descriptor? And maybe it is. Right. Maybe it's very important because in this story, everybody else is old. I mean, maybe, you know, especially in fantasy, maybe it's unusual that a young whatever she is, you know, so that word might be important, but it, it sounds generic in general. So, think really hard about that, that adjective. Um, next, you present the protagonist's problem. So I've got an alcoholic scientist and I add an alcoholic scientist searches for her daughter. Okay, that's her problem. Her daughter's missing somehow. Right. Or a defeated athlete is determined to regain his reputation. Okay, well that makes sense because he's defeated. So, okay, there's something going on there. A uh, troubled bartender seeks to prove his wife's death was a murder. Okay, that's interesting. And troubled may not even be the best descriptor of that bartender. It right, but when you add when you add that that problem, you you already know like he has to prove that his wife's death death mm -hmm. is a murder, which means it's been ruled either an accident or mm -hmm. you know obviously something that's not murder. Right. Um, so you get so much out of adding that problem without you know going overboard in detail and, and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, without wasting that valuable space that you've got. Right. Um, so next you move on to the setting, which for urban fantasy, which is what you and I write, that is a very important thing. It could be like, think about the Alana Andrews book with Kate Daniels. Mm -hmm. That setting is so important that somehow they've got to get that into the log line because that it's our world, but it's in a time when magic and, and tech are fighting each other. And right. so there's these shifts. So somehow she or they, husband and wife team, have to come up with a way to describe that setting in this log line because it's so important to the story. Yeah. Now, now sometimes... Let me put the dog out. Okay. Oh, I have two dogs. You have both of them in there? 
no idea I had two dogs. Wow. Okay, and no dog beds. Usually I used to have dog beds in here, but we have um, another, my grand dog visiting. So all the beds have to be out there where they can all get one. Of course. So, um, so in urban fantasy, yeah, you've got to think long and hard about, you know, I'm trying to think about the Grave Witch series. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, she's set in that fold in space and time that is, you know, near Atlanta, in between Atlanta and somewhere in Alabama, but it's a totally fictitional, fictitious. <laughs> wow, she's a writer. <laughs> a writer, well. Um, but yeah, so for us, I think, the setting is a very important thing. So um, some examples, you know, in a world where magic dominates science an alcoholic scientist searches for her daughter. Right. So that already is interesting. She's an alcoholic, she's a scientist, her kid's missing, and she's a scientist in a world where magic is rules over science. So that, right. that's interesting. Um, in a world where magic corrupts the soul, that kind of thing, you, you this is fantasy, so you've got to get that information out in this little tiny space that you've got to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I also think, I mean, you mentioned how important setting is for urban fantasy, and I, I think that's like, you, you hit the nail on the head there because it's based in this world. So readers will recognize mm -hmm. things that you talk about. Um, a lot of the time they use pop culture references um, and that kind of thing. So, you know, for example, I use Savannah, Georgia in my book, which is pretty well known as like a ghost town. Um, it's a haunted city. Uh, it has its own kind of atmosphere and feel to it. And so you have to, you know, if you use that as your setting, you kind of want to get that across even in this log line, um, because that is, that's enticing. That is something that will hook, you know, a reader. So I think what's really hard for people to do, and I struggle with this, is how do you take my 100,000 word book and come up with one sentence of really important stuff? Because in my mind as the writer, everything's important. That subplot down here is super important. Right. You got to back away, back away and look at it from a distance and come up with an overall storyline. Right. Just in that one yeah. sentence or two sentences. Or yeah. So. It doesn't yeah. matter about the evil stepmother that does whatever. There's, it, it's the crux of your story. So it is, it's very difficult. Right. Um, so another example I had for the conflict is in a world where crime is forbidden, a troubled bartender seeks to prove his wife's death was a murder to the government who ruled it a suicide. Yeah. So that gives you more information. And there's probably all kinds of storylines that would be going on in there while he, you know, first of all, he's a bartender, which limits what he is has available to him as resources for you know it's not like he's a detective in some of these stories we urban fantasy has a lot of detectives yes right. um and the government has forbidden crime so there's got to be underground crime you know so just these little sentence makes that um agent or whoever's looking at this start thinking and going huh i want to know more yes yeah. yes yeah. and then um describe the goal so my example, in a world where magic dominates science, an alcoholic scientist must find her daughter who was kidnapped by a magic society intent on destroying science once and for all. Right. So I want to read that book. And it Absolutely. just 
popped up in my head. So there is no such book. I mean, there may be something out there like that. I don't know, but I guess uh, you're going to have to write it. I might have to write this book. It sounds very interesting to me. Um, so really, how do you do these things? It sounds easy when we talk about, oh, you just do this, this, and this. It's not right, so easy. Right. So number one, a way to try to make that log line more than just a dead sentence is to add the stakes or the time limit that's going on. So to save her daughter from kidnappers, an alcoholic scientist has two days to steal trade secrets from a rival corporation before time runs out. Right. Yeah. So you've added in that, that two day time limit, which yeah. automatically makes it cool. That's not a lot of time. She's got to be able to do this within two days and yeah. you know, figure out her, her conflict. Yeah. Um, don't reveal the ending. Yeah. I feel like that's a given on a lot of things though. Yeah. Um, sell the story. I saw that several places, not really any example of how to do it other than everything we've already said. You pick words that make it interesting that are intriguing. Right. Write it down and play with it. Um, yeah. Use Absolutely. a thesaurus. I mean, even coming up with these examples, I sat there and used a thesaurus to try to come up with interesting words to use yeah. to, for these examples. Yeah, because like <laughs> you want to get the tone of your novel across in this log line too. Like if you're a comedy writer, obviously your word, word choice would be very different. Um, you know, like frickin' fairies is you try to be more comedic and light kind of thing. Um, whereas if you're writing a dark urban fantasy, then you're going to use darker, like more, um, more words. Yeah, mm -hmm. more dramatic words that, that kind of get that tone across and your word choice can help a lot with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, each word matters. Don't yeah. end it with a question because a lot of people think that that makes it a hook. Oh, you know, will she make it? Will she survive? Will her daughter die? And those can work. It's just in a log line, you don't really have the luxury of that, adding that extra sentence to make it into a question. Right. You're trying to boil it down to this one liner, basically, you know, maybe in an elevator pitch, but even then it's kind of, not cheesy is not the right word. It's kind of. It gets used a lot. So it's almost, it's almost cliche. cliche. Yeah. Right. Um, but it's also, you know, there, I feel like there are better ways to hook someone on your book than to leave it off on a question. I agree. Um, I don't know. Cause I feel like if I end up, like if someone asks me a question, I'm like, okay, no, like, but what else? Like, what else can you tell me? Like, tell me some more about it as opposed to like leaving it open-ended like that. I feel like. I agree. Now, one thing I didn't see, you know, when we did our query episode, our query letter episode, yeah, you're supposed to do those in present tense. Is this supposed to be present tense as well? Because it makes it active if you write in present tense. And I'm trying to think of our Twitter, what we did in our Twitter um, pages. I, I believe so, yes. Yeah, I believe it is present tense. I mean, that makes sense to me. It makes it more active. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, because you definitely want to make sure that you get across the point that your main character is active. Like, you want to show that they are driving this conflict. They do mm -hmm. drive the plot. Um, there's a reason this is their story, and there's a reason that you made them the main character. So you always want to use, like, active verbs, active um, active wording, and I think present tense is the, uh, the staple. Of I think so, too. Yeah. But like we said, rules are made to be broken. I remember during this last Twitter pitch thing, I saw the oddest one. I wish I'd saved it now. 
because he had a ton of likes to it, which means it caught the attention of a bunch of agents out there. Um, and it, it was not even, it was, I don't even, I don't know how to, I'll have to see if I can find it, but it was not this log line thing that we are all talking about trying to, you know, hook and all of that. Right, it, was, right. it was more, it was not following any of the rules and yet he had a whole bunch of likes just on that one sentence. And it intrigued me as well. It, you know, I was reading it and I was like, huh, but I was kind of intrigued more on the way that he presented it than I was on what the story might be about. Right. I was fascinated by the way he approached the pitch. Yeah. So I'll see if I can find it. Um, but you know, it is, I think, I think you're right back to the, the, Twitter pitches, I think, are basically log lines because you don't have the luxury of adding the extra sentences to explain in more depth. So right. I think these Twitter pitches basically are log lines. You're stuck yeah. to this 280 characters. Um, I, I actually had some luck on this last one. I, I have an agent who has requested a, a more in-depth query, so I'm very excited about that. So Congrats. that's awesome. Yeah. Keep fingers crossed. Yes. Uh, so I'll be sending it to her. And, you know, I, you got to take that with a grain of salt, too, because honestly, they're only getting this one little sentence. And once she looks at my first three chapters or whatever, she might go, oh, this is not at all what I was thinking. Right. right. So, but it is exciting to at least have had some kind of interaction from an agent. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last thing I wanted to mention was logline generators. You know me. I love these online generator things. Yeah. yeah. Um, there, this guy or girl, I don't even know, and I, I'm going to butcher the name, Grammy Shimon. It's G-R-A-E-M-E -E is the first name. Probably, probably Graham. I don't know, though. Graham. Graham Shimon. He or she has something called a Killigator formula. Killigator. Killigator, which I thought was very clever. You know me. I love these. I love me a generator. Yeah. Um, so it, it's at grainyshimmon.com, which is G-R-A-E-M-E-S-H-I-M-M-I-N.com slash writing a logline for a novel, which was the topic of that blog. Yeah. But he basically boils it down to this formula. He says, or she, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, in a setting, which is our where, in a, you know, like line setting, a adjective protagonist which is a the who has a problem which is the what caused by an antagonist which is the how and faces the conflict as they try to achieve the goal which is the why right. yeah. so it's this formula and I'll, I'll put this on the website because it's um i'll put the link to his um blog on our website um but he he, he went on to say in this article that he would have people saying, oh, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And he would look at their log lines and he's like, they didn't do it right. Oh. And he's like, you've got to follow this 100%. And it worked for him. He's gotten books published and um, that it works for him. So yeah. do we, should we read our, our log line, our pitches, our log lines for the Twitter? Do you have yours? I do. Um, I can pull it up. Okay. Um, I'll pull mine up too. Yeah, so mine is, uh, Michaela Roth exposes magic to stop a mass shooter in Savannah and is branded as a trickster. 
She thinks she's the only one until she is framed by someone using magic to kidnap a child and mistrustful detectives force her into a deadly game of cat and mouse. I so, love that. And so yeah, and I, explain, I feel like I might, explain why you used her name. Yeah, I didn't want to use the fact that she was a restaurant owner because honestly that doesn't play into the plot that much. Right. Um, I could have used that she's a trickster and, and that might work. Maybe I'll change it up and, and play around with my wording there. Um, but the, the whole point is that she exposed magic, so magic wasn't well known in the world before she did this thing uh, where she saved people in Savannah. And so she exposes magic. Um, and, you know, I didn't really quite know how to get that across as a descriptor. You know, how do I do that without being like, you know, oh, this is a restaurant owner who exposes magic or who this is a, you know, whatever. Um, and, you know, she's not really a trickster until she's branded as one in the book so you know it just yeah. it's the whole thing so i decided to go with her name i, um, I her, love that and i think it works really well with her name so to me this is one of those examples of where this rule so to speak needed to be broken because it you had reasons why you you couldn't use trickster because like you said it didn't happen yet she's not a right. trickster to start with right um so yeah, I mean, maybe we can play around and come up with some other words to describe her to make to take her name out. But I, I was very pleased with how that came across to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was very well written. And I've read your book. So I know that that fit your book. Right. You know, there's nothing worse than having this wonderful log, log line. And you're like, oh, I'm so excited. And you get into it. And you're like, you're like that's not what not. this log line said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no. Yeah. So mine said, when frickin' fairies upend her life, giving her the sight and landing her in a heap of trouble with the fae, an Atlanta bookstore owner finds herself jinxed, owned by an elf, and smack in the midst of fairy of fae politics while trying to save fairies and her own life. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you got the stakes in there. You have, you know, she's a bookstore owner. Um, you have, you know, she's obviously been dropped into these fae politics, so she didn't know the fae before. Mm -hmm. Um, she was given the sight, and that's obviously something that has to do with the fae and, like, all this kind of stuff, so. Yeah, I, I like it, too. I like it, too, and, you know, I've got the setting is Atlanta, so that gives someone a, a little bit of an idea of where this is set. You know, the, the South is very different than Canada or, you know, right. Europe or, you know, so by by saying just that one word Atlanta, I was yeah. able to convey a place and time and feel just with that one word. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's all I have. Um, I, there's so much more we could talk about how to do it. And maybe we'll do more episodes on this with examples, especially as we see more of these Twitter things. I don't think any of the people that pitch on Twitter would mind if we read their log lines. Yeah, we would. Um, we, you know, we can always ask them too and comment on it. Like, hey, this one sounds great. Do you mind if I showcase yeah. it in our podcast kind of thing? Yeah. Because if any of our listeners are trying to do this, or if mm -hmm. they want to do a, a Twitter pitch, or need that a real log line, it's helpful to hear how other people have done it, so that you can right. take what they've done and kind of work your own story with that. Right. Yeah. So. No, I agree. Well, I have an interview question for you. Okay. What about a book cover would make you interested in buying it? Oh, it's always the book cover that gets my attention first. What, what about it grabs your attention? Like what about it? Like what makes you go, oh, this one looks like it might be a good book. 
maybe it would be better to explain an example of what works and doesn't work for me. The Southern Witch series, uh, Kimberly Frost. Frost, Kimberly Frost. She is a perfect example of how important book covers are. Her, when her book first came out, her series first came out, they had these cartoon book covers. Yeah. I would not glance twice at it. And then it came out a second time with a character. A, it was a woman. She's got red hair. It's kind of this mystical looking background with um, different things in the shadows. That got my attention. That made me like it. That made me pick it up and read the back of it. I would never have picked up her book. Same book. Yes. Yeah. Would never have bought it with that first cover. Right. So it, it must be something i must like that mystical and real people look but there are ones that like i've seen on twitter people post their book cover designs and there's some that have no picture whatsoever or maybe just a design there was one guy who um uh there's a different symbol on the cover of each of his books which must have to do with magic that symbol yeah. must mean some kind of magic and those looked really cool right because you could tell just by looking at those books they were all his because they were all similar yes so i can't say it's just having a human a real human on the front right but i think it might be that might be part of it yeah i i've noticed that i really like um bold colors i like bold color usage i like strong contrasts um that immediately catches the eye and the next thing i look at is you know the art style i like looking at the art style. And then like you said, I've seen, I've also seen books with just symbols on them. Um, you know, it doesn't show a character or anything like that, but it'll have like a giant silver S and that's important to the story somehow. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, a silver S on a dark green background. And then you have that contrast. Um, and it's a very simple, like clean looking book cover to me. So that, that like that kind of thing usually grabs me. And I was just curious, cause you know, um, on Twitter, uh, the, the writer, the writing community is a lot of um, self-publishers and self-published authors and indie authors and that kind of thing. Um, and they're always asking about book covers and, you know, what is, what, what do people look in book covers? So I was just curious, like what, what draws you in specifically? So. Yeah, I, I think, I, I really think it's, I'm, I'm thinking of the Mercy Thompson books. Right. Those are all an individual, it's a woman on the front and yet they're, the art style is fantastic. That artist yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I like romance novels and the romance novels, you're used to having the half naked body of a man or something, you know, with right. a woman draped over him. And, and I would buy those too. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is that catches my eye. I think we should do a, an episode on book covers because if I self publish, which I'm seriously considering for freaking yeah. fairies, I'm going to have to find someone to do my book cover and there are people out there i've been there was a lady on twitter that i actually contacted and said i like your book designs would you come on our podcast and talk about how you do it and how it works and i never heard yeah. back from her but i'm all of us self potential self-publishers out there that's a huge that's a, that because i just said i would never have bought kimberly frost's book with that first cover on it yes right Right. Uh, you know, and I'm thinking now there's another author that I like that's only, I think she's an indie author. Um, the It's another witch series, The witches, Wicked Witches of the Midwest. And hers 
has the silhouette of an, a witch on every one in different ways. And I love that too. And that's cartoony. So I don't, I don't know what the difference was. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Just something catches my eye. I mean, art is subjective. So I think a lot of times some things speak to us and some things don't. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I noticed that I, I really like the bold colors. I really like the contrast. Um, it always draws my eye, which I noticed like a lot of urban fantasy, especially uh, self-published and that kind of thing. The, you know, there's a main character on the front and then they have some kind of magic in their hands and it's like a very, yes. you know, a dark cover and then the magic is bright and like, and I like that. I love it. I like that too. I do like that too. So I'm trying to think with freaking fairies, what would I have on the cover? Because the fairies in the first book are so important. So I would have Beck, right. the fairies. I mean, she's got this knife that plays a key role. So the knife would have to be on the cover somewhere. I don't know. Right. I don't, I don't know. Well, it's interesting because I know um, the Mercy Thompson novels. So I, I love thinking about book cover design too, even though like if I go traditional, I probably won't get any say in it. But yeah. I know the Mercy Thompson covers, um, they use her tattoos as like hints for the stories. Um, so while the character herself does not have the tattoos that are on the book covers, uh, they, they hint at what the story is about, which I think is super cool. Yeah. I love that artist. He's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's Dan Dos Santos. Yes. Um, yeah, you guys should check him out. He does really cool art. He just did a, a piece for um, a Magic the Gathering card, and it's a beautiful painting. So, you know, yeah, he does stuff. so disappointed that Dragon Con has been canceled. I mean, obviously, it needs to be canceled, but we always see him there, and you usually get some kind of print from him. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, it's going to be disappointing to see, to not see all of these people that were, all these urban fantasy people that we are used to seeing at dragon con so yeah yeah next year hopefully let's hopefully. hope so hopefully well thank you guys for listening i don't have my outro again our um just go to our website it is <laughs> eatdrinkrightpodcast.com it's got everything you can contact us there please send us jokes clearly i need help um, we have our first patron, which is fantastic. I'm very excited that she has decided to help us. Yes, we're going to, so yeah, we're going to start posting, um, content just for our patrons because they are supporting us. Um, but our emails there, all of our links to all of our social media, we've got Twitter and, uh, Instagram and Facebook. So come visit us, talk to us. We'd love to hear from you. Suggest, um, tell us if you disagree with us. Tell us if you have other ideas. We'll throw it out there to everybody else. Uh, we're just kind of all learning all this stuff together and it's exciting. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks guys.